What's up, everybody? And as you can hear by the theme song, that means that we are back this Thursday for this week's episode of the Big Go Belt Podcast. The team is here, minus my guy, Mr. Marcellus. Uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight. We're definitely going to talk about the AEW media call with Cody Rhodes today. Um, and then we have a very interesting yet sophisticated topic that is it is wrestling based. But I think it's I think you all going to realize that it's, it's more centric to to the real world around you and just this type of knowledge that um, uh, that we're going to try to uh, empower you all with in your day to day basis. So we'll get to that. And we'll and, um, obviously have a few other things in the news. But before we get started, gentlemen, how are you doing tonight? Here we're here. <laughs> it's the roller coaster that never ends, and hopefully, we can give people a little bit of a break tonight. I hope. What he's obviously referring to is season one of WWE Battlegrounds. I know you are all excited. I am too. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, on the tip of everybody's tongues. Yeah, I'm never. I'm never buying a, a 2K game ever again. That's just that's just that. I don't care. Whatever you can call it, whatever you want. It's not going to happen. Um, but what else I was going to say? Yo, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. We're five episodes away from our 300 episode. So still wonder what we're going to do for that. Definitely let us know if you got some suggestions on how we should kind of go about that 300 episodes. Pretty, pretty, pretty impressive uh, milestone, if you ask me. Uh, but nonetheless, we definitely done more than 300 episodes just to <laughs> poke, poke at the fun real quick. Definitely interviews and things that we just didn't count as weekly episodes and other things that we kind of did as far as other um like other show segments and all that other good stuff but nonetheless as our weekly episode uh, episodic series we're about to be at episode 300 so yay for us but um let's 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 go to the aew media call earlier today which we I was able to participate in, although we were unable to get a question in, but I think whatever, that's a conversation for another day. It doesn't matter. <laughs> a lot of the questions that we did have did get asked, so it was definitely cool that a lot of us were obviously on the same page here as far as the information that we wanted to know. Uh, so, number one, Full Gear is this weekend. It's been a year uh, since... I mean, I'm sorry, it hasn't... It, it, I guess it has been a year, but we did go to the... Um, Full Gear, which took place in Baltimore, Maryland here. So, uh, yeah, it's been a year since that. So everything's kind of coming full circle uh, with AEW. As we, you know, they just went over their first uh, anniversary with Dynamite. And it's kind of crazy that that much time has passed. But a lot has changed in AEW. And Cody Rose definitely addressed a lot of it. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to hand it to you all really quick. What were some of the most notable things out of that uh, press conference that uh, really either caught your ear or you definitely got more questions about and I, i'm gonna start with you will <laughs> well this also will kind of tie into last night on dynamite with cody's show closing promo all of a sudden we have cody using a very interesting term he's calling himself the ace and he's also referring to the tnt title as the ace title the ace mm-hmm. championship and promoting the entire TNT presentation and himself as the ace of AEW. He reiterated that today on the conference call in a number of ways, and it just, it's, it perked my ears up in a number of ways. But I guess first thing would be, if we're talking just strictly in the landscape of AEW, 
it's real interesting to me that he's presenting the TNT championship so hard while you have John Moxley as the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. You know, the first thing that jumps out to me is like, if this is the ace title, what's the AEW World title then? What's the deal there? We know you can't compete for that, which is kind of what he got into today on the uh, media call. But it's odd to me that you would be pushing this so hard when you also still have a world title and a whole other program going on with Moxley and Kingston. But I don't know. Other than that, the other big thing that kept jumping out to me is like, well, there's only one other person in the world that I really think of when I hear the term ace. And that's Hiroshi Tanahashi. So Mm. is the seed being planted here? Is the fishing line being put in the water? Is someone fishing or laying some seeds here that maybe something is going to hopefully happen with the other ace that's out there in the world. Mm. We are getting into wrestle kingdom season coming up. And he mentioned a lot today that the doors are open. AEW is open to do business. Could there be more to this ace thing than just putting over the TNT title? Or could it be going beyond things into a larger international atmosphere? Gentlemen, what are you you thinking on this? Really quickly, too, um, if anybody listening, if you do want to check out the entire call, it is on our YouTube channel right now. It's about 50-something minutes, but it it is very thorough. So, like, it's definitely worth the time to listen and kind of hear from the horse's mouth himself the things that he's saying. Also, Will, you know, because of our friends to the show, you know, you can't talk about the other ace in pro wrestling without without actually going to the man from the planet of the ace, you know, oh, I'm not. yeah. So like, you know, I, I, I really I, dropped the ball there. That is the true <laughs> ace. Yeah. Eric Royal. Yeah. Now, that's someone we need to see. On I was going to say, wait, <laughs> I just seen there him cut a promo today too. So good to see him get back in groove of things. Um, but yeah, Jamal, I'm going to throw it to you. What's, what's been some of your reaction uh, to either Will's comments or of, of Cody Rose media call today? Okay, so uh, about Will's comments, I think the biggest thing was, um, is is Cody Rhodes uh, sprinkling seeds? No. Uh, Also in the conference call, he talked about whether or not he and Nick Aldis should have a third match. And Mm -hmm. and he kind of basically shot that down in the most obvious way, but then in the end, you know, saying never say never. So... Cody, Cody Hurst uh, Helmsley, as it stands, <laughs> is definitely putting himself over as the TNT champion, as he should, as an executive, as he should. Um, it, it is interesting that he really didn't sp- uh, spotlight too much of the rest of the card. But then again, they asked him, they did ask some questions specifically about his reaction to his matches and what he can do as a champion since he wasn't present for the last media call. Uh, for the last pay-per-view. So I don't really fault him for that. But if um, I think the biggest thing for me is the, his uh, response to the question about the women's division um, and about the lack of build between Nyla Rose and uh, Hikaru Shida. And though I like his answer because basically he said, well, Hey, uh, just because, the big mainstream wrestling show has conditioned you to believe this is how stories are told. Realistically, you have a ring, you have a competitor and you have a champion. That's the story. That's really all you need to know. We don't need to start it fighting over a cup of soup 
or the fact that somebody's best friends or there's a YouTube donut shop or whatever the hell. <laughs> she is a champion. Now Rose wants to smoke. She is in the smoking section. Let's get let's get it done. And I think that is a bit refreshing, except it kind of contradicts the build that Moxley and Eddie Kingston has. Right. We've been friends for 18 years, mm-hmm. and I, you know, did all these things, and I scratched, and I clawed, and I'm one of the indies, and you took a paycheck, and blah, blah, blah. We're going to fight for the title. Well, well, which is it? I mean, not that it has to be both, but you can't kind of say, like, well, you've been conditioned to do believe a thing, or we've been spoon-fed a thing, which is exactly how you're building your main event for the pay-per-view. And then when it comes to the women, it's like, well, they're two, two able-bodied competitors. Let the sport decide. It just seems kind of, kind of, kind of mm-hmm. contradictory to me in, in that regard. But also, it's kind of on par for AEW as I would rather see a squirrel do algebra than see them book the women's division because both of them have a snowball chance in hell of knowing what they're doing. And that's just been kind of like been, it's been really apparent uh, of what they uh, lack in creativity for the women's division in AEW. Yeah. I, I just to go back to that Nick Aldis comment, like in more ways, shape or form, basically what he was saying was, although there's a good relationship with Billy Corgan and Tony Khan, and they made heaven and earth move for you know the first two matches. It comes down to this: is that they're both reputable champions, and either one of them can afford to take a loss. It's all about the creative booking. That's at least the opinion I got from the creative booking would never be able to be decided in a fair way for it to work. So it was just kind of like I would just leave it. He's like you know based on how the second one ended, I would just leave it at that. And it's just basically like it's just really no way it can happen. And it, it can't be nothing about money, obviously, because you have Thunder Rosa now, Serena Deeb, and even even Allison Kay, or whatever you want to call it. But you have NWA talent on there. So it's not like it's out of the realm possibilities with having talent on there. They say they would never cross promote a show so that they'll never have a dual brand show. But. It just makes it like because of them both being the staple of their company, either one of them can afford a loss. So what I found about that is problematic is that what you can't do a match where nobody loses. You can't work it in a way that it, you still do a good match and it doesn't result in someone losing or. or well, what, to be fair, though, you can kind of like you can kind of see that outcome. There's a there's just a finite number of outcomes that it could possibly be if you were to do a title versus title or, or something like that. And obviously if you make a non-title, then that's a lot less sugar in the sauce. If you make a title versus title, you know, damn well, Alice isn't going to be on AEW every week. And you know, Cody's not going to carry two belts that he really can't defend. So that really doesn't work as well as it should. Uh, so it's kind of like respectfully to Cody's point is like, kind of like, well, you know what? Let it lie. Uh, that was a good place to end it. If we if they never say never, of course, because there's money if there's money to be made. Basically, mm-hmm. but yep. I'm willing to leave it leave it alone based mm-hmm. on where we both are in our careers. Yeah, as it stands, could, could be some egos there. I mean, obviously, the overhead are, are are friendly with each other, so it has to be at the competitor level that there could be some egos is going on with it. But who knows? But the, I, t- I will say the biggest thing for me is that, and maybe you all already knew this, but Cody seemed to have patted himself on the back a lot about the recruitment of their talent. As he said. So 
it, well, with that being said, it's like, okay, that's cool. But then I, me personally, I, I can't, I don't understand how do you let Suge D walk out of your company? Easy. There's a door. It swings yeah. both ways. Yeah, but, uh, but, but what I'm saying is that that's a good talent. A good worker is it has definitely put in the work over the last year that proves that he des- definitely deserves to be on somebody's permanent roster. And you used him obviously, and you you gave him a good spot. But you have other people come in for like one appearance, and then you lock them down. So it's the idea of like if you really do value recruitment the way you say you do, how do you let a talent like that walk out? So because you can't sign everybody. Of course not. Of course that. But I'm not talking about an average Joe here, at least in my perspective. I think that's just somebody that you want on your roster. So I mean, yeah, yeah, right. ideally. But we we also are leaving out a lot of the meat and potatoes of what a negotiation like that would, would true, come to. True. Uh, we yeah, don't true. know if money was involved, and and you know, Suge was like, nah. We don't know <laughs> if um, creative control was involved, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, listen, you're gonna go 0 and 29 on dark, and Suge was like, but I got myself over. Yeah, true. Yeah, you know, right. we, we don't we don't know, and we don't know if, if Suge actually had no plans in staying, and that basically he, he had like always had looked for a way out, and now hey, Suge got his rub, he did a thing, he got over, and he's going to take that and capitalize that um, on the on the independent scene. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that was his plan all along. So just because he's not signed, or just Look because somebody else is signed, doesn't necessarily mean that there's any animosity there. Sure. Granted, I don't know why what they don't see in Christy James to not bring her back. Yeah. I don't know what they don't see in Veda Scott to not bring her back right fucking now. Sign <laughs> Veda Scott. Yeah. Right. And, um, and, and to be fair, it's like, I mean, even looking at, you know, people they do have that they have picked up. It's like, OK, they, they got Miro that we go on about week in and week out, but he's a gamer now. And Not so it, just as easily, you could have someone get presented something like that and be like, I ain't doing that, you know, right. but he did. So yeah. I remember, remember I mean, how Brody Lee started out uh, as like this, you know, pseudo Vince McMahon character. And then that shit got asked really quickly. By, by and the they way, pivoted into something else. By the way, that podcast with him is really good. Like really, really, really good. Um had no clue like there was layers to him like that was. I guess the character threw me for a loop, and especially his uh, really, uh, his really, um, should I say, low key Twitter comments he tweet. But I mean, yeah, I think I think you're I, you're definitely right. I, there's there's definitely not an argument with that. And when you say like there may not be no animosity between the two, I don't know. Shook D kind of had a, a few words to say afterwards about how he was now going to hate to say it, but control his narrative in the sense of. <laughs> after that opportunity and where does he goes next. So, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with what you said. Then I think the last thing I will mention is uh, <laughs> Q, uh, QT Marshall, who is uh, Jamal's uh, favorite porn star. <laughs> uh, hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, I, and, and maybe this is something I didn't know too, but I didn't know QT Marshall and Tony Khan was the ones who was single-handedly controlling Dark. As far as the uh, the booking and uh, and everything, so that makes a lot of sense because uh, because QT is bringing a lot of people through his uh, gym. Mm-hmm. So that's how we're seeing, like especially back in uh, when they were down in his sex dungeon days back in May, um, <laughs> we saw a lot of his students come through, uh, including like Alan Angels and and uh, Lee Johnson, Sean Dean, and so on. So they were able to get that over based on his talent. 
mm-hmm. uh, and then of course there are other talent like Callan King, who's trained by Billy Gunn and and stuff, and they're using utilizing that those connections to get people in there. Yeah. So I'm not really surprised that he has such a hand in Dark and in Dynamite, but the question that I wish they asked uh, the people that were allowed to ask them was. Is this is there a reason why the shows have been consistently encroaching upon and breaching two hours? Are you testing something that could be re- relevant to this new show? What or you, are you just really have so much talent that you need to see yeah. and you don't have an actual way to uh, to see it in a, in a televised situation yeah. like NXT yeah. B? Yeah. As we've I, joked, what is the deal with presenting 16 matches on a weekly show when when 17. there's pay-per-view when there's pay-per-views that don't even have that many damn matches? Yeah. It's like nope. well, what's the thought process there? Nova, Nova Pro and uh AEW Dark are definitely at the lead for the most matches in the show at one time. Now, to be fair, I love Dark and, and low key Dark has been better than Dynamite the past month. It really so, has. I mean, like, and that's unfortunate. But that is kind of the thing that with that dynamite loss is that spontaneity, that spark that makes you go like, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen next. No, it's kind of gotten into a rhythm and that rhythm has become a little bit more predictable. So, so Jamal, really quickly, because, again, this is something I don't know. Who is booking dynamite and why is there almost a night and day difference with the production or not the production, the booking? And, And maybe I won't say production, but. Definitely the feel and the aurora to it. Like Dynamite feel feels it feels like two different shows at times. Well, it is. And that's because it is two different shows. Uh Dynamite is the show. It is a television show with with TV commercials and and, and all of these things and, and and picture in picture and all of that. It is the show. Dark is an indie show that has it with a television contract. Okay. Generally speaking, there aren't too many storylines on the independent scene that actually carry over for a number of different reasons. Uh, we don't know if talent's going to be there next month. Uh, hell, you don't even know if the show's the company's going to exist next month. But yeah, talent, you know, dark is kind of that. But as far as uh, the differences between the two, it's easy to just throw up, you know, edit down a five minute match, put it in a can, slap on a graphic, and then have a 30 second transition to the next thing. That's really what it is. But as we've seen, they're testing Anthony Agogo on commentary, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, we, we've seen a lot, right? We've seen a lot of talent come through there that would not have, uh, you know, just gone straight up to Dynamite because they have no reason to be there. Um, but then again, as they come into the fold, we are familiar with them in, at some point. I, I think that Dynamite, I mean, not Dynamite, but uh, if Dynamite is the show, and it is the show, AEW Dark, for lack of a better word, is, is more of a Sunday Night Heat, Shotgun Saturday mm-hmm. Night type of a deal where it's just the wrestling. No bullshit. Just, hey, these are guys. Bring the bell. You have eight minutes. And I'm very okay <laughs> with that. Uh-huh. I'd also say that a big part of the factor is Dark, like you all were saying earlier, if it's just QT Marshall and Tony Khan, the difference with Dynamite is you got a lot more cooks in the darn kitchen because you right. got Cody doing his thing. With his whole presentation with the TNT, like he said, is very sports centric. Cody, you can tell, is very protective of what he's doing and how that title is being presented and how he is personally presented on that show. Meanwhile, what's that that? word? That word sensitive, right? 
<laughs> Just Maybe, well, kind of, sort of. Sensitive, yeah. political, let's, let's either one. Let's compare that, though. Then you got Jericho and MJF doing straight-up sports entertainment, which I'm sure is Jericho's influence. And then you got the Bucks and FTR, and you know damn well they're doing their own thing the way they want to do it. So there's, I think, a whole lot more of a factor of you got the different cooks with their own separate area serving up their own dishes, and they don't really meld together. And that's the difference you see on Dynamite as opposed to on Dark, where it's more of just, here, we're throwing out some matches. Here's the show. Yeah, that's actually yeah. a good point you brought up. Well, sorry, Jamal. I just want no, to I, ask the, the group. I wonder how many of those cooks actually have creative control on Dynamite, which is why we see everybody kind of booking themselves the way they want to be booked as opposed to possibly the way they should be booked. So when you bring up FTR, you bring up the Bucks, you bring up Kenny, Cody. I wonder how many of those people are like, no, I'm booking myself this way. Too bad. That's part of my contract, like WCW back in the day. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see, like, where's that going? Yeah, uh, I'm well, I, I think I think in general, um, as far as like the cooks in the kitchen, uh, you need a you need a reason for people to come over. And if you're going to if you're if you are Miro and you're looking for to do something else, he could easily make his name on the indie circuit. You could easily go to Impact, maybe not to the same degree of of exposure. Uh, you know, he could hit the English circuit or whatever. He has, does have options. And if he really chose it and really deep dive into Twitch, he could have done that too. But if you're going to go to Dynamite and the first thing you have them do is, okay, well, what are you thinking? Um, you're going to be from, not from Russia, not from Bulgaria, but you're going to be from Kazakhstan. And you're going to be <laughs> this big, you know, monster. We want to, you know, bring you up with Sadie Gibbs or somebody like that. And, oh, okay. Yeah, been there, done that. You're a but now that he has an opportunity to show another side of him, now that Brody Lee has an opportunity to show another side of him, now that FDR, FTR has another opportunity to show another side of them, sort of, uh, you know, that's kind of a thing. That's that creative freedom, if you will, is 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 probably a bigger, is more as important as the money on the table to be able to to finally get from under the thumb of the corporate machine and tell the stories that they want to tell. Whether it hits or misses is really irrelevant, but the ability to try may be the most alluring part of being coming in AEW on that level. Yep. Or the money, whichever one comes first. Or the money. Or the money. <laughs> it is a business. It is, a, yeah. Any, any other comments from the media call? Yes. Uh, Cody basically saying in terms of concussions that the team is meeting with Chris Nowinski to discuss concussion protocols. All of a sudden, now that's something that's on your docket? That wasn't on your docket prior to Alex Reynolds damn near dying for our sins in the ring? Well, to be fair, they've worked with him in the past, and they've definitely they, they've mentioned that he's been in partnership with them as far as their trainings and meetings and hosting seminars for the yeah. talent. As as part of like the wellness policy overall, um, that made that's not like the sexiest news. So it's not like, hey, just before our world famous picture in picture, uh, everybody's <laughs> been medically cleared and their their heads are a okay, folks. <laughs> you know, I mean that's that's kind of a thing, but it, it is one of those things that has been uh, approached in the past as to, especially in the early, early, early on, how will you treat the health of your wrestlers different than differently than more established country, uh, companies. And he's like, well, no, progress and science. And uh, Chris Nowitzki with his uh, brain, 
research and stuff like that. So it's kind of a known thing that they really don't have to talk. Well, not have to. They don't really talk about it until something bad happens. Yeah. Okay. Same thing with security. Like security is always there, but they you don't really see them until something bad happens. Now, now I will I will say this. I thought this was kind of funny, but when you mentioned about uh, Sheeta being the best I saw on the that. entire <laughs> roster, I was like, "Oh man, you, you gonna have to go back home to your wife and remember you said that comment. That ain't gonna float." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, man. to be fair, uh, Brandy knows what this is. <laughs> I don't know, man. Matt, I don't know. Talk There's about, no way in the hell that Brandy looks in her full length mirror and says that I'm the best wrestler in the roster. Talk about the if cooks Brandy in the kitchen. That hype. What are you smoking for real? Talk, that's talk about the cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> right, she must be on that prop eighty-one or something. That's like <laughs> something that just got passed. I don't know. It's no, that's no. <laughs> and I also yeah. enjoyed how he painted over the MJF Jericho thing instead of being sports centric as flavors of ice cream. Yeah, and I'm like, um. That ain't no ice cream I would ever eat. So for you to be the politician to kind of say, hey, it's for what everybody else may want, where you've marketed yourself for the you know a little over a year as being the 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 wrestling show for wrestling fans with sports entertainment. So way to play both sides, Cody, from what I saw. Way to play both sides. As much as I hate to agree with them, I kind of got to. And that's because there is something a little bit different uh, for the male talent, at least. Where if you want to see uh, you know high flying tag team actions, they definitely have the roster for that in the Lucha Brothers, FTR, mm-hmm. and you know and that whole deal. The tag team division is among the best in the world. And then in the singles division, we haven't seen Brody Lee in a while, and we haven't seen their different contrasts and styles there. As far as their um, their major storylines they have going on, uh, you're going to get a 30 minute tag team match on on the pay per view with the Bucks and FTR. Uh, you're going to get some ridiculousness with Chris Jericho. Orange Cassidy is ridiculous, and John Silver's really coming to an, into his own. Really is. As ridiculous, mm-hmm. not in like a comedy way, but just in a, this is very different. Uh, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara is going to be whatever that's going to be. And then, then you have... That. There you sell that. <laughs> no, I mean, like, we don't know what it's going to be. I mean, like, is it going to be something that's pre-taped? Is it pre-taped in the Jaguar Stadium? Is it pre-taped at the Hardy Compound? I don't know these answers. I mean, I'm sure somebody does, but these I don't know. And then, of course, there's uh, Paige versus Omega, which is going to be a more traditional, hard-hitting uh, wrestling uh, match that's been brewing. Cody versus Dow, Darby Allen, which is a contrast in styles there. It is. It's, it ain't Baskin-Robbins, but there's definitely some different flavors of ice cream. And I'm not saying that you're going to like every match, but there's going to be one that's a little bit more in line to your wheelhouse. I will not watch John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. Yeah, I mean that we, it's the same story every. But I'm all here they, for. They, they give you they give you enough of different varieties of ice creams, as that's what we're talking about here, uh, for you to figure out something that you like. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think yeah. any I don't think any wrestling promotion gives you a solid everything. I mean, unless you unless yeah or ROH unless you do something that's right. completely true to the theme and that's pure wrestling. So you're getting pure wrestling there. You don't like. Uh, and we need. We had some really good vignettes as well with that too. But like, if you don't, you don't like all the little flippy and all that other stuff, you're not gonna like it. So, but anyway, nonetheless, you know, the 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 whole call is on our YouTube channel. You can check it out. Hear what Cody has to say. You can leave comments on there or just tweet us um, if you have any other kind of uh, comments or thoughts about the things that he said. Also, hell, how did I forget? Cody was pretty adamantly mad that 
he didn't make the number one of PWI 500 and said that any wrestler <laughs> who isn't mad is lying. So that word sensitive just floats out at me again because, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the ace, damn it. He should be number one. <laughs> right, 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 right. How's it going, everybody? This is Damien G from the Big Gold Belt podcast. And when I have a really hardcore gaming fix, I tend to go to Free Play Arcade located in the DFW Dallas Fort Worth area. They have locations in Richardson, Arlington, as well as Fort Worth with award winning games and food. Mind you, these are real arcades. Even in today's climate, arcade gaming is still a thing. Pinball, old school gaming from Mario Brothers to Pong to Street Fighter 2 Turbo. It is all there for people who love their old school gaming and it's more of a family environment because trust me i've been to other arcades y'all and this is the most family environment of all the arcades i've been to throughout dallas so please feel free to check them out go to freeplayinc.com save the arcade to buy merch gift cards and other types of swag if you can't make it out or don't feel comfortable making it out to the arcades again that is freeplayinc.com save the arcade because they need our help and trust me when i tell you it is definitely the place to go for arcade gaming that's freeplayinc.com slash save the arcade all right so let's get to because we're about halfway through our show i'm gonna toss it to jamal here oh and by the way aw full gear is uh this saturday on pay-per-view uh we'll be watching it obviously and we'll talk about the, the aftermath of it next week but let's i'm gonna I'm throw it to jamal and i'm, and I'm gonna kind of set the tone a little bit about this so as you know we've been talking about twitch third-party apps and all that hoopla um a lot over the last month or so because it's, it really impacts not just the wrestlers but us as well as the consumers of the talent that we've seen uh, in the ring, but now, you know, playing some of our favorite games or just chatting or hell watching uh, football. Matter of fact, Paige might be on right now. Let me turn that on. No, but no, seriously, um, I did watch Paige's stream entirely last uh, week. Uh, not entirely, but after I was finished, we was after finished recording, I watched the rest of it, the, the game. And um, I'll say I watched entirely everything after the game that she had to say. And Paige was on an emotional roller coaster, as if you, you know, if you've ever seen her. Uh, do anything outside the WWE ring. She definitely wears her emotions on her sleeve and she put into perspective about how this change in allowing talent talent to use third-party apps, how that changes her. It kind of started off as like a, you know, a service to the fans, but then she went back and started saying, well, this is kind of therapeutic to me and my mental health. And I, I don't think at once she mentioned anything about it being lucrative, but as you can tell, especially by the, the way how she presents, she chats with fans the entire time. She doesn't play games. Uh, she just sits there for hours and just talk and very engaging and, and very personable. And she, she talks about, again, how that, that really benefits her and how, you know, obviously her friends that obviously had to, as we talked about last week, the ones who had to sign off on, uh, on you know, using their Twitch channels and everybody, no one's on Cameo anymore. Um, but with that being said, now I give it to Jamal, who I think, as I was saying at the beginning of the show, I think this conversation now is going to really put a lot into perspective as 
some of this stuff has been mentioned. Let's be clear. This is not nothing new here. Some of this stuff has been mentioned in the wrestling community earlier this year and beyond. But I don't think people truly understand what does it mean. I don't think people really sat down and say, well, what are you saying? What do you mean by that? How does that work? And that's what we're going to talk about now is how does a collective bargaining agreement, how it should work? What is it, number one? (laughs) And again, how does this mold going to fit into uh, a pro wrestler's, uh, into a a pro wrestling business and a pro wrestler's uh, contract, y'all say, or just anything around it? So, Jamal, yes, if I missed anything out with that, um, definitely set the tone correctly. Okay, so so here's the thing. Uh, Paige, when they um, uh, came, Paige came through on Twitch and basically said that she, among other things that she's looking into, was for wrestlers to start a wrestling union. Uh, the word of uh, unionization of wrestling, uh, wrestlers have been something that's been kind of kicked around, um, you know, in the ether for a, a minute now, and it's. Obviously, it would be game changing for the health of and safety and security of the wrestlers uh, for them to demand certain guarantees in their collective bargaining agreement. Now, what that is, is is a contract, the collective bargaining agreement. It's agreement between the union and its members and the people that they work with. And basically, it sets the framework of the working conditions. So... It, you know, it is kind of a, um, a thing where, like, in the NBA, they can agree that certain player, players get a cut of uh, revenue sales or players get a cut of jersey sales or NBA 2K sales or something like that. Um, in my union that I work with, they, we have uh, subsidized health care um, mm. where we pay you know, pre- a pretty low premium is in a pretty low copay, but we have one healthcare provider that I happen to like. Um, if you want to do something different, then that's going to cost you. So these are things. Now, the question to you guys is what would be your top three or four demands in a CBA at it, from the wrestler side mm-hmm. and from the company side? Now, mm. this the way this union would be formed would be of all wrestling talent because as it stands no wrestling talent is a an employee of the company if you are you can't be in you know because this is just for us repeat that again you said if you're not if you're if if you are a uh an employee of the company i'm not talking to you okay you get employee benefits and stuff like that okay if you are exclusively talent so, like, I'm not talking about Leva Bates, Christopher Daniels, the Bucks, the EVP, Cody, Kenny Omega, um, QT Marshall, uh, Brandon Cutler. I'm not talking about them. I'm not talking about Triple H. I'm talking about the, the contracted talent. So, non-employees, only the contracted talent would be in the union. They would make okay. up the wrestling union. Okay, right. before before anybody answers that question, really quick, I want to answer this one in a comment, and then I got a rebuttal to you really fast. So, look, this right here, maybe the maybe that's the reason for them being shut down. They're charging for a two minute session. Twitch is free. So, what I said about a month ago or SummerSlam, however long ago that was, I I I am pretty damn sure 
when they went to the SummerSlam meet and greet uh, segment, uh, uh, package, excuse me, where you can meet anybody virtually for $150 for five minutes, and how those access do so much money, but because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. they don't get that. So they was like, you know, let's do something virtually. 150 for you to meet your favorite superstar virtually for five minutes. And then they looked around like, yo, what the hell is going on with our sales right now? No one is buying it. Well, why would you spend 150 for five minutes where you can spend a range of things? I don't know, anywhere from 10, $15. Some people are, are premium tier of, of 150 or more, but you go to Cameo and you get that type of experience for five, ten, fifteen dollars. So they, somebody must have been well, like four hundred hey. if you're Alexa Bliss. Yeah, right. Never And then and then again, you have to evaluate that too, and you have to say, well, somebody was willing to spend four hundred for that, but not for us. No, shut it down. I, somebody next events was like, yo, you know they got this thing called cap. Cameo and then right. shut it down. And they they cut around you and cutting out the middleman. Exactly. Yep. But, but I also thing. think I also think that part of it was uh, the ability to partner with companies. And if you mm-hmm. have a person that that is taking side uh, jobs from companies for marketing reasons, when WWE has an official soft drink, official light bulb, mm-hmm. official yeah. whatever, um, and you have somebody else doing that, that's also bad for business. Um, also, also, uh, AJ Styles specifically was talking to his son, and in a candid moment, his son was like, "You know, I don't watch the, I don't watch WWE anymore." Um, you know, that's also bad for business if if that gets out. So, there's just a number of reasons why you wouldn't want your contracted talent to do that. However, if they are contracted talent and not employees, this is something that the union would be able to step in and be like, "Well." Under these conditions, we can do what we can do these things now um, and not uh, not under licensed properties, because once they own you, they own your likeness and everything like that. But that's where the line has to be drawn. So so, if, so I, I just want to I want to throw back to you because I, I'm understanding everything you're saying. But just for the for the sake of the conversation, what's an employee and what's a contractor? You've named names, but what's really the, what's the distinguishing factor between the two? Because anybody, uh, most people think if you are on that show and you're signed, then you're an employee. Well, no, are it, depends you? On, it depends on how you hire, and and that's really what it what it comes down to, exactly. right? Um, you know, so if you are uh, an employee versus a contractor, you know, there's a lot more less uh, upside for you're a lot more disposable mm-hmm. as a contractor, um, mm-hmm. and a contractor obviously signs a contract either with himself or with a staffing company or something else. And, and being a wrestler is no different than working in an office as a, as a temp uh, or a temp secretary, a temp lawyer, temp, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that somebody brought you in or you got in, you signed a contract under the conditions to work, you work, you get paid. Now, do they have to provide things for you? Maybe, maybe not. But as an employee, they usually do. And unfortunately, right. in this country, healthcare is one of, is a big deal. It's a big deal everywhere, but healthcare is usually tied to your employment. But as a contractor, they don't have to offer that to you, right? Uh, you know, so like that—that's one of like the big sticking points. Like where, for example, Uber drivers—they're contractors. They can come and go as they please and work as they please, and not have to follow those company guidelines. But they also don't get a lot of things that uh, Uber provides their actual employees. And just to be clear, and just to be clear, that law just changed. Uber 
Uber uh, people are now employees now based on the, the, the recent election. Mm-hmm. So a lot what you said was definitely before this week. But yes, that, I think that definitely should easily define to people. And I, I mean, the, the easy, the other really e- easily distinguishable thing about contractor and employees, like, well, employees, you always are working. And contractors, where it's like as needed at times, or you know, as as you say, one minute you could be at the next minute you could be like, well, you're done. We're done with you. Right. That's how it works. So and and, he, ahead, and, even, and even simple stuff like you know if they're taking out your taxes or not, or just giving you a flat check, and then they're like, hey, you got to deal with this yourself. True. Which we know many a wrestler has gotten uh, twisted up in over the years and decades. So yeah, if, if you're an independent contractor, they're just cutting you a check. And that's it. If you're an employee, you're usually you're getting some benefits. They're taking out your tax and so your Social Security and all that from your check. It's, you know, a much different look. Yep. So and that's the number yeah, one thing get- I would want as a as a contractor is to have some sort of medical benefits that the company is contributing that I don't have to cover the cost as a 1099er where it's like, oh, no, well, we're paying you the check to your point, Jamal, and to Will. But yeah. y'all now have to contribute because I'm putting my body online for your company. Maybe you don't got to pay the whole thing, but kick me back something. Because I was part of an agency that did that. They contributed a, a small portion because I was a 1099 to my health insurance back in New York because I refused to sign an exclusivity contract so I could keep working with other clients outside of the agency. So that would be the first thing as a wrestler I would want is, is some secure healthcare connection and not their doctors, independent doctors that I can go to that aren't recommended by whatever wrestling promotion is supplying said insurance. That's my number one thing. Yeah, that's the one we always hear usually that people immediately go to is like, well, they should have health insurance. I think that would be number one to bring this back to Jamal's original idea. What would be the main things you'd want to ask for on each side of the table from the wrestling perspective? I'm thinking health insurance. Number one, Mm -hmm. I would next say, your travel expenses between the road and your hotels and your rent cars, since they got to cover all that on their own right now. So whether they figure out, you know, buses or something, but you know, travel expenses in general, I would say it'd probably be number two, number three. I'm not sure. Let's get someone else in here with another one. Those are the kind of, those are the first two that kind of really jump out at me as health insurance and then the travel expenses. So revenue. Go ahead, Jamal. Sorry. So, okay. So my, my uh, three things that I would want as a wrestler would be um, number one, obviously number one would be health would be healthcare or, or, or you pay your, because like my, the, the people that I contract that I'm contracted to, they don't pay my healthcare. The union does. So they, I pay in my union dues and part of those union dues include uh, legal benefits and uh, um, re- legal representation and uh, translation services, uh, credits for school and stuff like that. So those are things that they can come up with themselves so that that isn't passed on to their employer that they're working with per their contract. Um, with that said, so that's why the biggest thing that I would want is a non-exclusivity deal. Uh, if I am a worker, if I am a wrestler, and WWE wants to sign me to a 15-year contract, well, I would want something like an outlook, an out clause after five years. Or um, uh, what's the thing, that the, what they do in basketball, where you, an option. I, w- I would want an option um, after three years or something like that, which that doesn't seem to be the case. 
in wrestling uh, or WWE at least. Um, you know, I would want, you know, maybe stock options at a discounted rate or something like that. Because if, you know, I'm not saying that it's, it's not unrealistic to say that I, well, I want free healthcare and I want, you know, free travel and I want, you know, free insurance uh, for life, uh, life insurance and stuff like that. Well, all those things are hideously expensive, but the union should provide those themselves. So that way you don't have to worry about who you work with because WWE's healthcare is going to be different than AEW's healthcare, which is going to be different than TNA's healthcare, which is going to be different than uh, an independent show's healthcare, which is just going to CVS and get us some packing tape. So, (laughs) um, you know, so those things are going to be different. Um, And also like a legal defense fund, you know, Mm -hmm. for, you know, as, as far as, you know, the money, you know, like like little things like like that, um, but as, as far as getting it done, uh, I think the biggest thing would be the working with the other companies and setting up a base a minimum wage. Ooh. Right. So one of the biggest things for that I tell people about is the fact that I make a rate. You cannot go lower than the union minimum in the city, in in DC at least. So it doesn't matter where I work. I know that I can't make lower than the rate. And if I'm if I'm in a non-union building, they make about half what I make, and they do the exact same thing in Baltimore, for example. Now Baltimore is a cheaper market, but the idea is it's the same thing. And they because they don't have a union to protect them from things, um, they kind of get paid crazy, um, and I make a livable wage. So you know, a minimum wage. For whatever and whatever that looks like, and if that's five hundred dollars a show or thirty, you know, fifteen hundred dollars a month, or whatever the case may be, a minimum wage uh, would probably be the biggest thing, so that you're not just killing yourself for no reason. Um, and I think that that's and obviously with the nature of their business, that they don't work nine to fives every day, but they do work hours. So maybe a, a minimum wage rate in that what billable hours are. Well, if I'm in the uh, gym, well, you're paying me for that because I'm not, I'm in the gym for my health, but I'm also in the gym so that I can perform on your show. If I'm traveling, well, you're paying me for that because I need to be able to get to your show and you you decided not to fly. Um, if I'm in uh, backstage and you have an eight-hour taping day, well, you're paying me for that. So all of these billable hours would add up. And that's generally, and chat, please correct me if I'm wrong, that's how lawyers get paid. It's not yeah. just a, you know, some, yeah, obviously, if you win the case, you win the case, but billable hours are a thing because the, all the mm-hmm. research and the legwork when, that goes into it. When they pick up that phone, you are being billed. <laughs> you are the, clock, start the, clock. the clock is always running. Start the, moment the clock. And, and and Damien, the, I was going to say, right. Damien, you, you probably bill the same way, don't you? I do. Whenever any outside agency brings me in to, like, let's say, fix their budgets or whatever the case may be, I have a certain amount of billable hours. If I'm, and it depends if I'm traveling to the office or working from home. So there, it's my set rate. That's my minimum. And if they don't reach it and they don't continue to pay it, I don't work for them. That's simple. Right, and I think that that would that would create equity among the independent scene to let you know who's serious or not, and how many stories. On the indie scene, have we seen where it's like, hey, um, here's a couple, here's a hundred bucks, uh, work the show, we'll get your name out there, we'll put you on the poster, and none of those things happen, and you spend four hours breaking down the rink. 
Um, you know, so like the indie scenes can be pretty janky at times. And un- until the volcano or the blister pops on the internet, do we hear <laughs> about these stories where people get, you know, drive eight hours just for a hot dog, <laughs> a hot dog and, 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 and the ability to sit in the All front right. row. Um, we saw that happen at the, uh, the collective where Joey Janela uh, faced some backlash for, you know, bringing a guy in during the play and, you know, he may or may not have been played. It was kind of like a, like a, Hey, you know, this is how you pay your dues. No, fuck that. We're all, we're all adults. You know, we deserve to get paid and we ought to get paid a, a working a, wage. That's a muscle move. We all know that's, that's a straight muscle move right there. I, I just want to quickly add real quick. Yeah. Like you all definitely said the thing that I'll say, but legal representation is absolutely number one for me. God, it's, a lot of a lot of the issues, especially with this year, uh, wouldn't be an issue if there was just proper representation uh, with it. Uh, Damien, I know you wanted to get in there. And then we're going to get to the news after Damien concludes. Well, we've all hit the nail on the head with the one things we've wanted. I, I think another wrinkle I would actually argue for is paid time off. Mm-hmm. Because I saw a couple of reports, a couple, a couple of reports I saw where some WWE higher up superstars are saying, we deserve to have one month off a year just to completely rest our bodies. And even if the house show circuit comes back, they're still allowed to take that month sabbatical. If you want to write them off, that's fine, storyline-wise. But agree on one month each superstar gets to take off. Don't go to catering. Don't go to programming. You're out. You're done. You're resting your body. And that's that. So the flip side of this, and I guess we'll discuss this at a later date, is what would the reaction from companies be? Do you think that this would be do more harm than good to the independent scene? Do you think that this is something that they could come to terms with maybe 20 years down the road? But do you think this is something that McMahon or his successor, uh, Tony Khan or his successor comes away with and says, okay, you, you know, if the independent, if the independents are, are wrestlers of America and Canada are going to band together and start a union and not, you know, uh, work with televised deals, uh, televised guys, then, hey, we don't have a show. And talent, right. as we've seen on Dark, with 42 matches in three and a half hours, <laughs> they still need talent. So what would have to happen for the, the major companies and to break? And what would have to happen for the independent companies that get by because they have a shitty business model mm-hmm. on free or next to nothing labors, IOUs yeah. and back rubs and stuff like that? Yeah. And we can discuss that much later, but that's the other side of it. I yeah. you did ask, you did you did ask the one question I just want to say that yeah we'll definitely get into it later but like intimidation is the word that comes to mind really quick like yeah the, so go ahead will yeah i mean for the indies it'd be hard as hell especially with the conditions as they are now or like the few people that are running shows you can barely have anybody there so how are you making any money to well, pay let's anybody let's take the plague out of it Let, let's take the plague out of it it's a it's 2022 okay, so, it's a normal okay, we'll go year. rewind but we all remember what happened in 2020 when half the wrestling world sat on its ass. But yeah. we're we're fast forward in 2022. Uh, Paige is president. Crowds are back, and crowds are back, and they're like, "Well, it doesn't matter because I can either go back to my temp job as a fucking typist, or I can work this wrestling show." But what we what I'll do is do it at the union rate of whatever an hour, or whatever right. a show, or whatever per diem. I will. Um, now, I will. 
And I will say that also with this being said too, the fight commissions in each of these states also need to, some of these rules and regulations need to be uh, revised uh, because now with the legalization of the different combat sports now being uh, legalized in certain states, you can't still use these medieval policies in place when sports are evolving. So that's always been like Will said uh, a while ago, that's always kind of been the loophole in New Jersey, but mm-hmm. Some of these things need to go back and realize, like, now you have wrestling. Now you have amateur MMA, which is, you know, even scarier when you think about that they're doing exactly what they're doing in the UFC, but just in a backyard edition. You know what I mean? And then you got (laughs) boxing and you have a billion different leagues of boxing. So that means you're bringing in people from all over of all ages. Like, it's it's a lot that, you know, and, and considering wrestling, how it's evolving now intergender wrestling and everything the policies need to just take need to have a just a another look that and and kind of modernize with everything and then start talking about the conversation that we're having here or face the brunt of missing out um because yes, for yes. example wrestlemania was in new york so very few shows were actually ran in new york city everybody ran in jersey because it was easier to do so mm-hmm. um you know yep, and if wrestlemania comes to another border town like Vegas. Uh, Vegas isn't terribly far from Arizona. Obviously, I don't know what the situation is there, but Vegas may be an easier city to have a show in just because of their uh, their fight restrictions versus Maryland, which came down like, you know, the Wrath of Khan on uh, AEW for their show this time <laughs> last year. Right. So it, it depends, where you're, depends where you're at and how many damn commission hoops you got to jump through and just the overhead that creates... Yeah. Right out of the gate, as we well know in this area. <laughs> yeah, but I think that comes uh, second or thirdly, as we're just trying to get the framework together for what a wrestling union looks like. And then obviously, as they are, you know, you know, contractors, it is, you know, kind of BS that if somebody said that called out Roman Reigns, for example, Roman Reigns can't just appear on a thing. And even in a non-wrestling capacity, he just can't go because WWE said no. So uh, that that is a thing, but if you're ready, uh, I can start the news. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Switch it up. Okay, so full gear is this weekend, um, and that is their second full gear. Uh, now, granted, that you know the show uh, last year was in the palatial Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, <laughs> Your favorite year, place ever. Right. Uh, uh, well, it is. It is. Um, this year, it is going to be a Daily's Place in Jacksonville. Um, and, and it looks like an interesting show. I mean, we talked about it a little bit as far as like what's uh, what my interests are and stuff like that. Uh, the interesting thing about the show itself is that Daily's Place is going to be running at about 20%, which it means about a thousand fans. And this is gradually larger than uh, what AEW has normally been running at, which is about 500 ish fans. And there were 750 ish fans the last pay per view. You know, bigger show, uh, uh, All Out or Fido Fest, you know, they ran a little bit more than 500. So now it's a thousand fans at Daly's Place, which can hold about 5,000. Granted, Florida, among the rest of the country, is doing, professionally speaking, piss poor when it comes to the, um, <laughs> uh, you know, curtailing the, uh, the play. And, and AEW is still ramping up. Uh, a little bit, incrementally ramping up their uh, attendance. Do you think, whether it's AEW or not, 
whether it's 5,000 or 10,000 or 65,000, do you think that we'll get a full stadium this year of wrestling? Yep. Before yeah. the end of 2020? No. We, I'm sorry. When you, when you say full, I mean in a sense of like I mean in a normal it. capacity. Yeah. A, a normal pre-pandemic capacity. Shoulder to shoulder people. Nah. Nah. Whatever, whatever that looks like. You know, whether it's a 10,000 seat stadium with one level, like a minor league hockey arena or whatever, you know, whatever they were run for a house show or Danny's place, which is 5,000. Do you think that we'll get a full show this year? I say this. It it's not going to happen because the collective was the test pool of the, of, of of this possibility, and and they could have done it there. They could have done yep, it if they wanted exactly. to. They legally could have done it. So exactly. if it was going to happen anywhere, that's where it would have happened. Yeah, and then football if football games aren't doing it when you have Jacksonville, you have Miami. Uh, well, it's another team in Florida, isn't it? Um, Tampa. Oh, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. There we go. Yeah, so if you got Brady and the boys who are actually, you know, the star attraction in the NFL right now can't fill an entire stadium, then it's not happening. So no way nobody's doing it for wrestling at all. So uh but would they allow it soon? Oh hell yeah. It's not even gonna it's it, it'll be it, I wouldn't be surprised if it was next week where they allowed to run at hundred percent capacity. Well, I'll I mean, agree with you on that one, two champs. I'll say allowed. Sure, you can allow it, but I mean, Florida is going to Florida no matter which way we slice it. <laughs> but I'd like to believe there are maybe five percent of Floridians that are smart enough to not do this. So <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm gonna say not the rest of 2020, but by February 2021, you're damn right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that it's actually technically allowed now. Uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida has already said that hey, it's open. <laughs> Maybe do what it do. Um, and there have been talks from uh, people that have said and that and they're really in a position to say anything definitively. But like the head coach of Florida, University of Florida was like, I want 65,000 people in the stands and and all these different things. Uh, but obviously that has not happened yet. Uh, it's November 5th right now. Uh, there's eight weeks left in the year. So that's why I don't think it'll happen. But uh, I think it, I think we will have a pre-pandemic level show in um, within six months. I, I think I definitely think within six months it could happen. Spring, the that, spring yeah, is that, that, that'll put us in April. Yeah. That'll put us in April, um, and I would be surprised if WrestleMania didn't have at least forty thousand fans in the arena. Oof. Mm. Right, and and forty thousand fans is maybe. Two thirds of Raymond James Stadium, if they decide to have it in Tampa this year or next year. Yeah, and I think, and I think what they're saying for Wrestle Kingdom is about twenty k right yeah. now. They're talking yeah, about so for the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, so it's yeah. that that's going to be a big test run there to see twenty thousand spread out through a dome. So it's yeah, it's inching that way. It's just a matter of who is going to be the person who's going to be so fearless to roll those dice for the first time and go, all right, we're going all out and bringing everybody in here and waiting to see what happens. Uh, yeah. That, so that'd be interesting to see. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Thunderdome uh, came outside and had, you know, 65,000 people in the Thunderdome um, and in Orlando. Thunder Rosa, uh, speaking of the other Thunder, 
He was asked on uh, Buster Busted Open was, Radio this week. Excuse me, sir. Was that a pun? No, it was not. It was a pun. Yes, it was. Yes, it absolutely was. Not. Yes, yeah, absolutely it was. Not. How, how dare you, sir? <laughs> uh, she was asked on Buster. I hate them. Uh, she was asked on Busted Open Radio uh, this week about her uh, running into an Ivelisse. And, you know, they had a pretty interesting match on Dynamite a couple of weeks ago. And, well, and, a, and a lot backstage, apparently. So uh, a lot backstage, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Get, so, yeah give, me the, give me the tea here. OK, calm down, Wendy Williams. So um, basically, uh, Rosa said, you know, I never had any issues with her. <laughs> I want to put that out there. I've worked with her at Lucha Underground. I worked with her in other promotions. I thought the match was going well, and you guys saw what you saw. We made it work. We finished, and nobody got hurt. To me, that's the most important part. <laughs> you have to make it work, and that's what I attempted to do, even until the finish. I made sure my opponent was safe at all times, and no matter what happened in between. I promise with anybody I step in the ring, regardless of our relationship, is to keep my opponent safe. This is not MMA. They're not paying me a bunch of money to kill you. This is a dance. I try to have the best dance possible. That is what happened. If you talk about Cody Rhodes being a politician spinning. Yep. Thunder Rosa must be uh, reading uh, Cody Rhodes' book because, good Lord, (laughs) that gave me a nosebleed reading that. (laughs) Still still with AEW now. uh, And and speaking of uh, politics, um, noted Trump supporter... Chris Jericho. Oh my God! Yeah. I forgot all about this. <laughs> he don't know about <laughs> politics. He don't. He don't talk about politics. Oh my God! He he don't, and that's what he tweeted on November fourth at three in the morning, Dude, Eastern, man. because he's in Florida. A lot Take of bit of the, a lot of bit of the way. bubbly. A lot of yeah. the bubbly. <laughs> a lot of bit of the bubbly. <laughs> well, that should have slowed his ass down. That keep him up at three in the morning. No, nah, that turns him up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Must be putting that uh, miracle growing in the bubbly. But he tweets, and I quote, I'm not a political person, but it is strange. But is it strange to anybody else that for the first time ever, we have to wait a day, two days, five days, 10 days to find out who won the presidential race? Okay, so for the record, that is a lie. Uh, It's not the first time ever that we didn't decide the presidency within the first 20 minutes of the poll closing. Yeah. Hello, Gore, Gore and Bush comes to mind easily. Gore and Bush know, comes was, to mind easily. Um, that was December. <laughs> yeah, that was mid-December when that was decided. Yeah, Florida, uh, and then, Florida things. Well, Florida things happen. Uh, on, when, whenever Florida decides to Florida. Uh, but, you know, but Chris Jericho, not a political person at all. So, <laughs> And absolutely not someone who donated multiple thousand dollars to a campaign. Absolutely. No, 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 he did not do that. He definitely didn't have like the son of uh, of a of the head of the party on his talk show at all. You know, he no, didn't no. he didn't give a platform to him. Um, so basically, what I <laughs> say all of that to say, um, know who you put your emotional investments in. I'm not telling you who who you'd be a fan of, but also know where that line stops and starts. I still like Chris Jericho, the wrestler. I don't yep. get my political advice from Chris Jericho. Nope. I can draw a line between those two. Yep. But, you know, but Chris Jericho is not a political person. So what, what, what are we really talking about? <laughs> uh, speaking of Twitter, um, Jackson Riker deleted his Twitter account 
And no one seemed to notice. <laughs> Who was looking? Who was looking? Well, these, these are things. And I, I have to I scour the internet to bring you uh, the news. And this is election week. There's a lot of pertinent, uh, you know, political news coming up. And because Jackson Riker basically got reamed by a good chunk of the internet for saying some pretty interesting things on the Twitter machine, he subsequently deleted this account. I don't know how to feel about that because, number one, who the fuck is Jackson Riker? Um, <laughs> I forgot. Number two, right. Number two, um, well, he, wasn't he one of the Forgotten Sons? Exactly. We forgot about him. Oh, and hey, that's two puns in a row. <laughs> living the gimmick he is. Living the gimmick. So it, it is interesting to see that he deleted his Twitter account. It also is uh, interesting to me that um, I don't know who the fuck he is until I looked him up. So, uh, good Lord. Uh, one of the interesting things that we didn't talk about uh, in the Cody Rhodes uh, circle jerk from this afternoon was uh, his praise of Red Velvet. He did yeah. talk about Dark, and he did talk about the fact that he um, a lot of this talent gets put on Dark uh, with a chance to shine, yeah, more or less on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're not putting them through the special program. They're just going to go out there and do what they do, and if it clicks, good luck. Red Velvet's one of those people that he is really taking a um, you know a, a liking to. Just saying, obviously, Cody married Brandy. Oh, Red boy. Velvet, Brandy, <laughs> suddenly they're working together. I mean, I mean, I, I'm there, there's a section on a, on the hub about this. You mean sister? <laughs> uh, yeah, sister scene. Did, didn't we end the show off last week with the same type of conversation? <laughs> well, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, Cody, we're talking categories, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's definitely a category. But, 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 hub. And, and, but in all seriousness, uh, Red Velvet actually you know, did kind of come out of nowhere, uh, given the same platform as everybody else in AEW Dark, uh, and, and did, I don't want to say get over, but definitely has made an impact uh, you know, with her style, versus someone like Roche Chadel, who I think is as appealing as three-day-old cabbage. Um <laughs> You know, I, I you know I don't really want to shit on her gimmick as far as like the work goes, but it just ain't for me. I don't think no one understands exactly what's happening with that gimmick. So you're you're you're. But also, we haven't seen her in a while. So you know, Dark is basically the ultimate job interview. That's not a reality TV show. And good on Cody for recognizing that talent that QT is bringing in with the uh, super wrestling nerd Tony Khan. Uh, you know, I can understand how a lot of those things come together that way. So. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, Dark is low key the best wrestling show on TV right now, yeah. um, and only because it's on YouTube, you can press pause and walk away. <laughs> Good point. Lastly, speaking of Jericho, oh, on God. his podcast, talking Jericho, he had Miro on the show, and as what seems to be uh, a trend is that a former WWE person shows up in AEW. Bassage them within a couple weeks, does an interview with Chris Jericho, and he mm-hmm. talks about how he got here. Well, Miro's no different, and basically, he recounts the story of how he got uh, fired. And I'll make this quick. Uh, he was talking about how he wasn't really doing any work because of the pandemic situation, and 
basically, he felt scared to go to work, and rightfully so. That story got leaked to the dirt sheets and the front office. And once they, once the front office pinned it to Miro, he knew that he was done. Which started the burial, which started him getting shit canned, which started the 90-day no-contract uh, non-compete clause. So, yeah. Um, now, again, if he were in the wrestling union, that's something that the union's lawyers would look at. They said, like, well, if you're going to fire him, fire him. But if you can't you know, uh, retaliate against them. Like workplace retaliation is a, is a problem. Yeah. Um, so that's something that you would be able to sue for. But uh, basically he was let go on April 15th and made his debut on September 9th uh, in between uh, streaming on Twitch during his inactive period. But basically he uh, describes lashing out at Mark Carano, the senior director of WWE Talent Relations, about just how much they... Uh, put him through. So if you had on your petty bingo card, we're going to cut this man into oblivion and then fire him and make him sit on the show for the summer. It's a bingo. Uh, so that, that's the news for this week. All right. So folks, anybody got any closing comments? Anything else you want to say really fast? Uh, last night's NXT. Uh, I know Will did the, he did the ratings on, on Twitter but I will say that this Cameron Grimes scared of the zombie ref thing on paper sounds stupid, but for some reason it fits him, specifically him. I can't picture anyone else being creeped out by a zombie on, uh, on NXT. Uh, Pat McAfee, I told you all last night in the chat, that promo went too damn long, and I know some people loved it. I, I, I told the bar to change the channel because I, I, I could not deal with, with Pat McAfee bloviating for almost two segments. Lots of cheap heat in that promo. And Shotzi and, and, Tony, and Tony, something didn't click. And I, I wish I knew what it was, but it just didn't click last night for me. Hmm. Hmm. What? Real quick, uh, yep. real, real quick, one last thing. Um, apparently, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, his life and time seems to be getting a uh, miniseries treatment similar mm-hmm. to uh, that Jordan guy and his uh, ESPN um, Circle Jerk The Last Dance. Um, it appears that Lillian Garcia uh, broke the news uh, recently was that uh, a production team that worked on The Last Dance uh, is looking to work with uh, Steve Austin. So interesting um it's it's in production now apparently um and an official air date is scheduled for sometime next year cool very cool that 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 bs would be coming along with the uh mcmahon thing for 2022 disney disney trying to make all the money out here but what else is new well, all right. Well, I guess that will do it for tonight. Uh, yep, that's definitely going to do it. I don't have anything else to say. I, w- I was going to say that I thought it was really cool to see Chris Bay going to the Super Juniors in, in uh, New Japan being signed to Impact. So it looks like Impact also is open for business. So wondering if Impact and AEW may pick up the phone at some point, considering that you got Impact working with uh, New Japan and you got people working through Impact and ROH. So some definitely interesting things happening in the world of wrestling on that note. But yep, that'll do it for the week. We're back each and every Thursday, folks. As I say, always, we're live each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. And you can hear us 
as our payback podcast on all audio platforms, which should drop, uh, you know, immediately after the show or Friday morning for your listening purposes. As always, folks, thank you so much for listening tonight, engaging with us in the chat, and we'll catch you all next week. Be safe, and as always, wear your mask because COVID is definitely still out here giving L's left and right.